had a fantastic job and great income and it went from hero to zero overnight. I ended up with chronic fatigue and a little bit of depression that really set in hard. It was like bedridden for a year and very, very painful. I fully cracked the engine. I didn't know who I was without my job. It's horrible to look in the mirror and think about who am I without my job? I need a life plan. I need to start creating a map for myself on how to move forward to support my happiness, to support my confidence. Because if we don't know who we are, we don't have much confidence. It's all a game to play with yourself, really. Because at the end of the day, we can't be happy if we're not confident. Hi, I'm Nicole Sharon. I'm welcome back to Connectedly. On today's episode, we are chatting with Shanna Kennedy. If you're looking for ways to overcome mum guilt or you need a little refresher on how to increase your happiness to get off that mouse wheel to start choosing a better life, then it's time to listen in. Before we do, if you have a new business or a business idea that aims to better this world or the people in it, then I would love to invite you to our new Spiritual Entrepreneurs Group. We are coming together to expand our business reach, our business concepts and the impact of the light in this world. Just search for Spiritual Entrepreneurs Lighthouse in Facebook or you can find the link below. So Shanna has forged an enviable career as an author and life strategist and she's coached elite athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs and high performers who want to avoid burnout. She also coaches anyone who wants to focus on their life plan and who wants to learn, grow and evolve with clarity, purpose and direction. Her proven expertise enables clients to really gain control of their lives and to achieve their visions and goals. And she's also an author of global bestseller, The Life Plan with Simple Strategies for a Meaningful Life. And she has six other books as well. So here we go. Welcome to Connectedly. Hi, Shanna, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Oh, it's so great to have you here. And I have to say that I haven't met you in person before. This is actually our very first conversation together. So it's so nice to meet you officially. One of the things I love about your work is it seems that resonates with me is it's quite natural. You speak to me in a way that I can understand easily and it's very human and I love that. So thank you. (laughs) My pleasure. There's something to be said for authenticity, I know, and you've just got to do you. And a lot of people try too hard, I think, and they try to be someone that they're not or, you know, I'm not very funny, I'm not very loud, but it's just been a real challenge over the last 20 years of being a coach is just staying in my own lane and and me just doing me. And it's great that it comes across that way. I'm really, I'm really thrilled that you think that. It certainly does. And I think if for a lot of us women, it is hard, you know, and, and for men, I often hear that a lot of the women are struggling with comparing themselves to other women. It's this yeah. comparisonitis that is like this virus, you know. So maybe we'll start there. What's your advice yeah. to people that are constantly comparing themselves? Well, you know, there's a great saying to always remember, which is comparisonitis is the thief of all joy. So if you want to rip out the joy from under your feet, just look sideways, you know. So it's a big lesson to learn. And just that one sentence, comparisonitis is the thief of all joy, you know, that's actually up on my mirror. And it really helps me just stay on track, you know, because it's so easy to compare with social media and TikTok and people are funnier and dance better. And, you know, I'm on stage a lot. So there's people louder and, 
you know, wearing really flash clothes or whatever it might be. So for me, it's really important to keep that one sentence top of mind at all times. And in the beginning, when I first became a coach 20 years ago, I think I was one of the first coaches in Melbourne that was qualified. There were no coaches around. And now, 20 years later, there's hundreds and hundreds around. So I didn't really have to compare because I was always the one in front. I was the thought leader, the first one to write the book, the first one to go on national speaking tours and talk about life skills and all of these things. But really, probably in the last you know, eight, nine years, the lands. Wow. So the influx of coaches came on board. So so how did that impact you? Then obviously you've got the skills to know how to manage your own comparisonitis. What are those skills? Give us some tricks here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's about, you know, I also get myself a coach, which I think is really important because, you know, we, we get trapped in the stories of our mind And when we change our story, we can change our life. So sometimes, even as a coach, you know, you can't coach yourself. That's a number one rule is, you know, we can put in a lot of the habits and the practices. But at the end of the day, we're human beings. And I often get myself a coach, you know, for a couple of months just to fine tune my thoughts, set my brain, stay really focused and on track with who I want to be as a coach, as a mum, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend, and really when I have that clarity and it's all written in front of me on my vision board or, you know, up on the, on the mirror, it's very easy then to stay on track. Yeah. And I love that, that the idea that, well, really just because you're an expert doesn't mean that you, you stop learning. You, you don't stop, mm. you know, <laughs> getting your own I mean, Tony, Tony Robbins has a coach, so why can't I have a coach? I mean, he, he has a coach. Oh my God, that's fantastic because I feel like it just gives permission to anyone in the world to have a coach because we need to keep learning and evolving. We also need someone to come in who is not emotionally connected to us to shine the light on us and say, why are you doing that? You know, is that really working for you? Does that serve you? Does that thought serve you? That way of working serve you? And really challenge you because we've made up some story about why it does. Mm. So yeah, I find it very helpful. So in other words, don't get your partner to be your coach. Absolutely not. No, they have to be emotionally unattached to you because your partner will tell you what he needs you to hear for himself. Your friends will tell you what you want to hear. Your family might tell you just their own opinion, but at the end of the day, you need someone holding up the mirror. Mm. So let's step backwards then. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Yeah, so coaching came to me from burnout. So, you know, I was in corporate sport. I loved my job. I actually married my job. I had no self-care. I had no boundaries. I was in my 20s. I loved working seven days a week. Um, You know, if you ever sat down, it meant that I was lazy. I had these great narratives in there about, you know, work harder, climb the ladder, and it all ended in burnout. I had a fantastic job and great income and it went from hero to zero overnight, basically. So I ended up with chronic fatigue and a little bit of depression that really set in hard. The chronic fatigue was like bedridden for a year and very, very painful. So that was like I fully cracked the engine, did some really great damage in there with my adrenals and my nerve endings being fried. And in that time, you know, I was thinking about athletes about their journey about how they retire and all of a sudden they don't know who they are and I didn't know who I was without my job either and it was a real eye-opener and it was horrible to look in the mirror and think about who am I without my job 
And I'd watched them do it for so long that I decided to study coaching. Not only did I get myself a coach to help me manage chronic fatigue, because I'd been around athletes for so long, having a coach was pretty normal, that I actually thought about athletes need a life plan. They've got their sporting plan, but they've got no life plan. And for a lot of us, we've got a career plan, but no no life plan. So we need to put ourselves first as this is my life and the job will come in and out, whatever it is, but people need a life plan. So I studied coaching and started to coach athletes into retirement and the business exploded. It turned it corporate. I had stay-at-home mums. I had dads. I had CEOs. I had celebrities. I had Olympians. I had everybody. Uh, But they all wanted the same thing. Who am I without my job? I need a life plan. I need to start creating a map for myself on how to move forward to support my happiness, to support my confidence. Because if we don't know who we are, we don't have much confidence. It's all a shop front. So it was it was a really interesting journey. And I actually feel like it was the gift, even though it was horrible at the time. Um, I definitely have lived unbelievably with intention, full intention and wide awake because my self-awareness has to be switched on. Still now today, I can slip into a fatigue. So I have to be very careful. Mm, yeah, it's. I, I totally agree. I recognize that self-awareness theme keeps coming up um, mm. in lo- lots of different aspects in the interviews that we're having here with Connectedly. Not an easy thing to do when you are a busy mother and you have some, some mothers have four, four kids, you know, and they're working and they might yeah. have mental health issues. So, so what's your tips to kind of staying aware? Yeah. So, so for me, you know, I've got two kids. I've had two businesses, two kids, a marriage. I've been married 20 years. You know, I've got a 17 year old and a 19 year old now um, and had the business going. I've written seven books with Penguin Random House and traveled on tour. And the one constant is stopping. It's looking in the mirror. It's really checking in with the best friend, which is yourself. It's doing the breath work. It's like, I don't have time to meditate. What mum has time to meditate, right? But every time you go to the bathroom, you could take three deep grounding breaths for yourself to center yourself, to ground yourself, to to just regulate your emotions, just to calm your nervous system down. So I became a real breath master just doing three breaths, three breaths in driving my car, turning the computer on, turning the shower on, just three deep grounding breaths. And that has been my basis for 20 years of my health and my mental health and well-being is that self-awareness is number one. It is about protecting the asset. It's keeping an eye on the oxygen tank, you know, as, the, as it's going down. It's like your fuel tank and making sure you constantly know where it's at. And I think what a lot of people do is they they just don't look. They're just driving like crazy and they're not looking at the fuel tank and they're not looking at the little lights coming on. They just go, no, we'll just keep driving. Let's just get to the next town. And the cost is huge. It's, it's, it's too big. And so for me now, it's about full protection of the asset, which is myself, so that I can be a mum and I can be a wife and I can be a coach and all of those things. So self-awareness for me is breath and mirror and maybe some journaling. But if we're not really stopping and looking in the mirror and washing our hands really slowly and calming everything down, we don't have great perception or perspective and we can't really handle anxiety or overwhelm very well. So really learning to take three breaths. It sounds so simple (laughs) and it's really simple to do and really simple not to do. 
But as you know, we all buy this beautiful soap, these beautiful essential oil hand washes, and nobody smells them. So just take the time. That's It's called fulfillment in life and creating some depth and richness along the way. Mm, yeah, and, and thank you because I actually just did three breaths while you were talking, connecting to myself. Mm-hmm. So thank you. That mm-hmm. It is so enriching and it is so simple and I think sometimes we do overcomplicate it, don't we? And it's free. It's free, right? <laughs> so three breaths, really slow diaphragmatic breaths for all the listeners out there just take three deep breaths you actually change your entire body state when we're our body state has changed we have the option then to change the dialogue oh I'm not overwhelmed maybe I'll just do the next thing in front of me this too shall pass I'll just control the controllables at the moment whatever it might be you get the chance to do that you can't do it whilst the brain is starved of oxygen it's fight or flight. So we find most people are walking around all day holding their breath. Mm, yeah, absolutely true. Focusing on the next goal and the next task and you're just holding Surviving. on to that breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pushing yeah. through. <clears throat> so tell us then in terms of happiness, what would be your take on happiness or your definition on happiness? I love happiness and I actually talk a lot about this when I'm on stage because nobody really understands it. So there's done, there's been a lot of research done on it as you know and I really love the, the pie chart theory where 50% of your happiness is genetic. You know you know if you're a glass half full person or a glass half empty person so that's half the pie chart right there. So if you're a glass half full, you naturally, yep, it's, it's all going to be okay. Glass empty, you know, you're always looking for the negative Nancy in you and it's coming out. So 10% on top of that is external objects. So it means 10% of our happiness is based on, oh, you know, the doorbell rings for our online shopping or we have a great night out with our friends or, um, you know, we buy the new shirt and it makes us feel amazing. You know, we love it. We feel confident. But a month down the track, it just doesn't do that for you anymore. So that leaves 40% of your happiness left. And a lot of research says that 40% is based on you doing you. It is intentional um, activity. So your rhythm, your routines and your rituals create 40% of your happiness. That is a very big number, right? Really big number. So we all have this incredible chance to really invest in that 40% because we have total control over it. How you wake up in your morning, how you pace the day, what your nighttime routine is, what your small little rituals are during the day, the way that you think and train your brain and your mindset. That's all up to us. That's all intentional ritual and routine. So we've all got this incredible option and opportunity to find happiness all day during the day, little moments of joy where we think, I love doing my journal or I love going for my walk in the morning and and really positioning it to, I don't have to do it, I get to do it. I get to go for a walk. I get to wash my hands with fresh running water and beautiful soap and I get to inhale it. Everywhere we go, there's a mirror in front of us. I get to raise my eyes and look at my best friend and check in, which is myself and high five myself or give myself a hug or whatever we need. We cannot, we've all got that. We've all got that option. And I think what happens is most people are looking externally rather than thinking about what are the things that bring you joy? 
you know, sitting down with your cup of coffee or, you know, looking at your pet and throwing the ball to your pet or whatever it might be, those simple things. I love doing the washing because nobody comes into the laundry, right? (laughs) Nobody helps in the laundry, funnily enough. So I'm like, okay, nobody comes in to help me because no one wants to get involved with the washing. I can make this my sanctuary. So I really have made going into the laundry my happiness sanctuary. I get to do the laundry. I get to wash the clothes for my children. I'm going to do with great breathing. I'm going to take my time because the minute I go back out there, it'll be, mum, do this, do this. But no one comes into the laundry, you'll notice. So I'm like, okay, well, I could actually really take my time here and use it as my own personal space. So that's what I do. Oh, my gosh. There's women around the world right now going, oh, please come over to my place and do my laundry. (laughs) Or, or, you know, when you go and do the shopping, I had this great trick, you know, with the shopping where I say, I'll I'll do the supermarket. No one wants to come, of course, because it's too boring. So on the way back, I always would park my car in the next street and have like a 10-minute sleep. And just, oh, I love sitting in my car. I'm all by myself. No one's hassling me. This is joy. This is happiness. And then I drive back in the driveway and they go, gosh, you were gone a long time. I'm like, I was so busy down there. But internally, it's like a gamification, isn't it? It's like all the little wins that I can rack up for myself during the day so I don't have resentment. Because we often have resentment, which really destroys our happiness. And it's because we're actually just making excuses all the time. So we've got all these amazing habits that we're doing all day that we can create into our happiness ritual. I love that gamification of our day. You know, I've, I've never mm. thought of it that way. That's fantastic. Mm. And really flipping the the script on on how you see things. I mean, even the laundry for me is quite mind-blowing because I think like many women across the world, we would go, oh, you know, I'm stuck doing oh. the laundry, you know. Yeah. You're finding. I was one of those. <laughs> yeah. I think that's beautiful. There was a part of me when you said that that went, ooh, okay, I can mm. actually see joy in that. Yeah. And even things like I get to unstack the dishwasher, you know, I, how, how lucky are we that number one, we have one. Number two, I actually have children that I get to feed and maybe I should just change my home whole mental approach because I'm going to be much happier if I do that unless on the grind and just feeling exhausted and telling myself how burnt out I am. It really has changed my physiology, you know, my hormone level by just retraining my brain. And I did not do that easily. I had to have stickers up everywhere. I've got my values up. I've got my vision board up. My my mirror is my happiness. So the mirror in the bathroom is full. It is so full of words that help me stay in a happier place. And when the curveball comes, I have a whole bunch of words to help me you know, this too shall pass, control the controllables, where your focus goes, your energy flows. I feel terrific. Love and fear cannot exist in the same space. My values of health and family and achievement are smack bang in the middle. I approve of myself. I am enough. It's all up there. The minute I take that away, my happiness drops. So I think we also need to know that the brain needs a map and some structure to it. Because otherwise it's hormonal, it's it's windy, it's raining, 
someone said something or you got the email you didn't like you know we need to be the master of the mind and it actually needs things to hold on to and if you haven't got any um, I think that makes it very difficult for people so you said by the way I, I would love to see your bathroom mirror I, I, I think that would be cool oh, I can send you a photo yeah <laughs> I've often tried to do that but I there's something about the mess of my layout that I've just like no no and I end up scrapping it and yeah. and isn't that funny because we let perfection get in the way of progress so using a whiteboard marker on there you know I've just used whiteboard marker and it's just all over and I've recently started sticking stickers on there. You know, you can get mirror decals with I am enough and abundance or whatever. I'm starting to stick stickers on there now. My husband's like, you're going too far. And I'm like, no, I'm not because this is my mental health here. You know, if you want a happy wife, you just you just back away from the mirror, pal, you know. So it's really important that you people take responsibility as well and say, but I need that. I need that to feel happy. I need that because it supports my mental health or I need that to, to experience joy. And, you know, this little lady here is my happiness. So she represents to me the girl running around with her shirt tucked out with some balloons for those who are listening. It's just beautiful. Her hair's not perfect. Her shirt's a bit messy. She's collecting beautiful balloons. So that represents two words to me, lightness and joy. So she sits here on my computer. I'm going to approach this podcast with lightness and joy. I'm going to approach the next client with lightness and joy. I'm going to approach my next proposal with lightness and joy and the finances with lightness and joy. So she is like the trigger for me to go, life is like a playground. You know, stop taking it so seriously, lighten up. Just enjoy what you're doing. You know, stop making up these stories how you don't like doing that. Just do it and just enjoy it. It's part of life. So when we have visual props for happiness also, I think they're really important. Gosh, that's so refreshing. And, and that that visual is, for me, I saw freedom in that. that that's just beautiful. Freedom. Mm. Yeah. So how do you think she would approach doing the laundry? Mm. It you know, certainly would wouldn't she... be a drag, would it? No, it'd be fun. Like she put the music on, she'd have a great time in there. I do have a speaker in my shower, so I always have music on when I shower because why do our teenagers do that? You know, they put the music on really loud when they shower and I'm like, I used to do that as a teenager. Why don't I do that now? That's a ritual. So now I have a speaker in there and I have my, that's how she would approach it, the girl with the balloons. So I really think it's incredibly helpful for people to have words and images around that help them remember, that's how I want to feel. When you first started talking about our percentages of of the pie chart, you said that I think it was 50% was genetics. Does that that mean we can't play with that part, that we are just that way, that 50%? Well, I I would say I'm 50% half empty, Mm. believe it Uh, or not. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My husband is definitely half full. Like he is just, he need, he doesn't need all the structures that I need. I am definitely 50% negative genetically. And I just can't help that. The first thing that comes into my mind is a negative. And that's why I need all of these amazing props and routines and rituals to really play with that and boost it up and hold it up and make sure it's in balance. 
whereas he doesn't need as nearly as much of that. He just finds joy in anything, you know. So, so some people are just naturally, you've got friends like that, you know, and you've got friends that are naturally not as effervescent. So for me, I need all of these things to help because I really have had a good look at myself, my true self in the mirror, and gone, actually, you're a glass half empty. Mm. That's, that's really when you strip everything away, that's actually how you feel. So you need to work with that to build in some really great things that keep you elevated. Oh, that's so nice. So so let's say that you've hit a place where you are unhappy and, and you said that you've hit these times in your past. What's your advice then? I mean, you've, you might know preventative measures, but what if you're already there? What if you're unhappy? I think it's really important to very much honour it um, and acknowledge it and own it and sit in the stench of it and feel it and don't try and sweep it under the carpet. So when we try to sweep our emotions under the carpet, um, you know what, they keep coming back and they keep coming back to haunt you. So I am very much one of and teaching with my clients that when we're miserable or unhappy or jealous or angry or afraid or whatever it might be, depressed, grieving, you know, I just lost my mum, so I'm grieving, is I just sit in my chair and I allow myself to fully feel the emotion. And guess what happens? It evaporates. It goes, oh, she's heard me. It goes away. When we keep sweeping it away, it keeps knocking on the door going, you didn't recognize me before. And when it goes away, you sit there and go, okay, what are my choices now moving forward? What could I do for myself um, if I'm not happy? What, do I, what can I stop doing that is not working for me anymore? And what do I need to start doing that may push me in the better direction? Yes, that's again, seems like such a simple thing to do. But I think when you break it down to just one thing, you know, it makes it quite easy to action, I guess, at the end of the day. It does because we, 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 I think we make up too many stories, right, that, that, that keep us in this position because we don't want to sit in it. When you sit in it and you're facing it and you're feeling it, you go, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to stay here anymore. <laughs> so what do I need to stop doing in my life that is not working? And what can I start doing that's fresh that'll help me move and take some action to get out of this funk that I'm in or, you know, grieving that I'm in or, you know, we know that grief lasts for, could last for 10 years. So how can I honour that, you know? So I just, when I get the wave of it, I just sit in it. I sit in it. I don't even try. And then it goes, you know, it passes. So I really think that when people are unhappy, it's about sitting down very quietly and saying, what, what do I need to stop doing here? And what can I start doing that's going to serve me better? One of the things that we talk about a lot with Connectedly is connection and its relationship to happiness. And I'd love to know, what's your take on connection? What does that mean to you? Because it's, it's a word that means lots of different things to different people. So I'd love to hear your take on connection. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because everyone has a different concept of it. But I feel like it's a pretty holistic. Um, you don't need to have 500 friends you know, if you've got a couple of really nice friends, that means to me the world. I'm feeling really connected to my home, to my, to the universe, to nature. You know, I go down to the beach every day, every morning at 6am. So finding out what that means for you personally, I think is really important and trying to define it into words. I'm a introvert. 
my husband is an extrovert. So I'm often saying to him, can you please not invite people over? Like I, I just need some space. You know, I'm working with people all week. I need to, I need to de- debrief myself. So I think, and raising the kids and running the kids around and all of that kind of stuff. So really understanding what it means to you. And sometimes connection means connection to self mm. is really being aware of what do I need right now? And it might not be more people, more friends, more going out, more social. Sometimes connection is just a beautiful phone call or feeling connected to some really great music or something like that. So it's very holistic, I would say, what my view of connection. Which is probably a good segue. We have a, a women's happiness club that we have on. It's like a Facebook group where a lot of us just kind of talk and share. And one of the questions that they wanted me to pass on to ask you was from a mother who wants to know how to tackle mum guilt. Mum guilt. Yes. I love this. Yeah, all the things you're saying to implement. But, you know, this particular woman is just feeling like the guilt's too huge. She she doesn't have the time to invest in herself because everyone needs her. Yeah, so there's a few things there. So who thinks that the martyr is the role model? So when we think of our role models, like strong women who, you know, are fit and confident and calm and grounded and happy or whatever your role model status might be, what are they doing for themselves? Like when we put the oxygen tank mask on and help everybody all the time but forget to fill up the tank, we're actually giving but we're not giving wholeheartedly. It's with a bit of resentment on the side or you become the victim or you become the martyr and that's not appealing to anybody. So you have to think about would your kids love you to be happy, confident, strong? You know, I've just come back from Japan where I walked with 10 women and we do forest bathing and I coach them while we walk. And a couple of them, it was the first time they'd left their children. Their children are like five and six and they were just paralysed in the beginning with mum guilt. And as we walked and we talked through it, it was like, but you're being a role model for your children. That women, that mums, you know, can have these incredible experiences. They're investing in their health, in their education, in their connection with other women. That actually starts to become really appealing for your kids. And as my kids now are 17 and 19, they often say to me, mum, oh, mum, you did so much, you travelled, you spoke on stage, you went to a health retreat every year and you walked on the Camino with your clients and they're actually really proud, proud that we had a sense of achievement or I really looked after myself or I've been the role model by exercising every morning. They actually don't see it as you've got to remember what the kids are seeing. So mum guilt is something that we've completely created for ourselves which does not work for us and brings the, the, the fuel tank down. It actually is de- very depleting. So if you think I'm very obsessed with self is first, if my tank is full and if I'm happy and if I'm confident and if I'm pumped and I'm excited about life, I want to bring that to my kids. That's how I want to show up for them. So what will it take to be that person? I need to go to the gym. Um, I need to go and have time with my friends and walk with my friends. I need to go and have a massage, whatever it might be. Really think about what what is a tank filler because if a man goes and plays golf for five hours, they don't think twice, right? 
Imagine if we took five hours off to have a massage, a facial, and took ourselves off for lunch. How guilty we would feel. Same amount of time. For them, it's just, I went and played golf. For us, it's, oh, but that means, and all these stories come up. It's about squashing the stories and lightening up a little bit. The kids, the kids won't even remember that you, you know, went out for a day or went to the city for a night with your friends or whatever. They, They won't even remember. But they mm. will remember how you how you showed up for them. My mother was actually a martyr, and she did nothing for herself. And I actually said to her, "I just never want to be like that, Mum." And she said, "I hope you're never like that, because really, it comes with a, a, a lot of baggage." Mm. So be free, be the role model, get out there and move and look after your body and your health and your well being and your happiness, because that's what your kids want to see. Mm. And, and yeah. then, you know, the washing might not be perfect and that's fine. And, and it is so freeing what you're saying and I, and I can hear some of the ladies and myself potentially with another excuse that often comes up, which is, but I don't have time. Oh, well, we've all got 72 blocks of 30 minutes every single day to work with. All of us, 72 times 30 minutes. You can find time for yourself. And what we do is just don't give ourselves permission. So I give you permission to go to the gym or go for a beautiful walk on your own with your headphones on and breathe and refill your oxygen tank. You must be the one because no one's going to do it for you. So I think when you know your values, you know, mine is health, family and achievement. Health is first. So I must make sure all the buckets are full before I show up for the family then it's very easy to make those kinds of choices. Would you then, is there some kind of strategy that then you say, okay, we, we need to look at what are my values and break that down? Is that kind of way do you, you'd action this? Yes. Well, the, fir- the first question I always ask my clients is, who are you without your job? And so they nearly fall off their chair because they've got no concept. And the second one is, what are your values? What's most important to you? And they say, oh, my family. I'm like, that's great. You're a really nice person. But your family's not enough. It has to be you. You have to be first. Because when we understand that your mental health, your physical health and your emotional health must be full to show up as a fun and inspiring life for a long-term marriage, to be able to parent not with tiredness but parent with engagement and being able to be really present requires a lot of energy. And we have to be really efficient with how we work. If we haven't dedicated the time on our own health and our own well-being, mental, physical and emotional, you actually can't show up and do that job very well. So I would rather take the time for myself and make sure I do that job to my best ability that I'm most proud of. Mm. We can all find an hour in the day. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) And to build things in, you know, I watch television with my legs up the wall for 15 minutes and do some (laughs) stretching and then I'm allowed to hit the couch because I want to be able to be strong and flexible at 70. So the kids are just watching. The kids are watching the role model going, oh, she's crazy doing that. But as they get older, they're saying, actually, maybe she's really smart because she's more flexible than all of us. So They see the investment in self um, because that is the base of our confidence. Mm. You know, a lot of women lack confidence, which robs them of their happiness. And our confidence is a muscle. It's like going to the gym. 
We don't go to the gym once and think we're going to be fit forever. We have to do things consistently. So what is everyone doing consistently that fills up their tank? And they can be really small things like washing your hands and taking three breaths where you go, this is the game I play with myself to stay connected, to take a breath, to get rid of resentment. I'm going to change my mindset. It's all a game to play with yourself, really, because at the end of the day, we can't be happy if we're not confident. I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to stick my legs up the wall. <laughs> so um, I'd love to know, what is your passion at the moment? What is there? What is it that you're doing? Is there a project or a book or a course or is there just something else that's not work related that's your passion? I'm really passionate about women elevating other women at the moment. So I'm in my 50s and I feel like I'm coming into my my stride now. You know, the kids are very independent, finishing school. So I feel like it really is my time to give back big now. So I've just written a book that's coming out in December actually called Elevate with an old client of mine. So I coached her for 10 years while she was the CEO of Sports Girl in Australia and she had three young kids at the same time. So I was her coach all the way through and coached her leadership team and she finished 20 years in retail and she said, let's just do something together. So we've written a book together about life and leadership and longevity, which covers burnout and self-care and juggling everything and setting boundaries and all of those things. And it's a call to action. It asks you to stop doing things and start doing things. And so we take women overseas. You know, we walk on the Camino track. We just did Japan. I'm doing Italy next year as well. And just really help women find their voice and their confidence and give them the tools and the tips and the how-tos. So that's my passion project for the next five years. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm also really passionate about my own health going to another level now that the kids are very independent. Okay, what do I need to be eating that's really important or lifting more weights or really getting into myself now because there's a lot less noise? You know, they've got boyfriends and girlfriends and they're gone. So I actually have the space now to even think about what I want to read and what I want to do for myself. So I'm really enjoying this little insight into the next chapter of my life. Mm, Sounds wonderful. A wonderful place Mm. to be in and also a wonderful opportunity to be able to share your wisdom and your knowledge with other women in that space. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really great. And, you know, the kids are excited. They're like, mum, I can't believe you do these things. And then they say, but you've always done those things. So all of the times, you know, when they were little and I would go and say, well, mum's been invited to speak in Perth or in Asia on a stage. And they go, do you have to go, mum? And and one of my, my daughter actually said at the dinner table one night when they were little, why does mum go away all the time? And my husband actually answered. He said, do you want a really fun, happy mum? Or do you want mum home baking muffins all the time but not as happy? And she said, mm. oh, I want a happy mum. And so if I, and, and that really answered it really well for her. And she goes, oh, yeah, I want a happy mum. You, you do what you want. You do what you need to do. So when you actually ask the kids, what do you want from me? Mm. They want joy. They don't want tired, exhausted and resentful. So mum guilt, there is no room for mum guilt. It's just, it's, it's, just a, it's just a concept that we've created for ourselves. Mm. 
Yeah, so true. And I think society probably plays a big part in that, doesn't it, in in making women feel like they have to be these perfect, you know, yeah. 1950s, you know, aprons, cooking yeah. cupcakes. And, and it depends know. on your cultural background and also depends on the generational background, you know. So for my mum it was she wasn't allowed to go to work, so she was a perfect housewife. Well, I, I don't even iron clothes. I'm terrible, but I'm really happy. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really learning to break the mould as well, I think. That's amazing. Okay, I noticed on your website that you have a vision board kit. I just wanted to yes. talk a little bit about that. Yeah, vision boards are about, it comes from my athlete background, working with athletes, how they always had up on the wall where they were training, you know, the Olympic rings and, you know, words. You can see it when you go into gyms. There are words on the wall to say, you know, go hard or go home or whatever it might be. And I and so I sort of grew up with it and then I started doing vision boards in my mid-20s about that's the car I want, you know, that's the holiday I want and this is the words that work for me. So I've always sort of been around it and played with it. And then when we were in lockdown, I thought people are really stuck um, and they need some fresh words, they need fresh ideas. Um, so I put these kits together and they were, they're at Kmart, Big W and Target. And they sold like 100,000. That was just huge because wow. it's really hard, to your point about the mirror, it's very hard for people to start a vision board because they don't know where to start. And the pictures don't look all nice when they're put together, when you've cut them out from all different magazines. So people get a bit more like, I've got to hide it because it doesn't look good. So I said, how do we make them look good where it all matches and the colours all match? So the words and the pictures and the colours are all in the same palette. So that's what I did. And people just went bananas. They're like, oh, now it looks nice. I can put it on the wall and I can add my flavour. But it was really to help clients and, um, and to create for myself personally big vision boards because I find that, you know, I've got one here as a screensaver. I've got one up there on the wall. I look at it and it appeals to me. It's like, why is that girl running? Because she wants to be fit. She wants confidence. Okay, I better go out for a walk. So they act as prompters. You know, when we have, I'm, I'm abundant, I'm living my passion or where my focus goes, my energy flows. When I see those words all the time, it actually keeps prompting my brain. So it actually helps you to appeal to your bigger, better self, your role model, which is your 10-year-older self. So if you think about how old you'll be in 10 years' time, you know, I'll be mid-60s, all the things on the vision board are helping me to make great decisions today and give me purpose. All the bucket list items are up there. The great words are up there. I give myself permission to pause is up there, mm. permission. <laughs> in the bathroom, you know, there's a little take three breaths, there's a little note there. Mm. Like all the, they're all props. So the vision board is bringing to life um, and bringing emotion into your goals and to your vision for yourself. And the brain needs a map. I cannot stress it enough for mums that the brain needs a map. It needs to hold up. In 10 years' time, your children will be a very different age. And so will you. And so will your parents. So the landscape is going to change drastically. 
So what will you regret not doing today for that 10-year-older self? And look, you're a, you know, testimony for your, for your prompts because you look so happy and you seem to be doing everything that you're saying. So I, I think that that's amazing. It might be something that it's I'm going to have to try myself. It's that authenticity piece. It's that authenticity <laughs> piece, isn't it? But when we have those, you know, words around us, I've got sticky notes all around me here. I've even got my values here, which have been here for 20 years on a sticky note as my KPI, health, family, achievement, <laughs> because the minute I take away, I might forget mm. and I might get caught on the that treadmill of life where we just feel overworked and overwhelmed and overscheduled and triple O's coming. So when we have the props, we really do feel supported and we can keep on top of, you know, those little curveballs that keep getting thrown at us. Mm. Yes, and and getting stuck on that mouse wheel is often. Oh, yeah, I don't want to like, do that. Yeah, it's almost like the automatic pilot, isn't it, where you just. Oh, yes, yes. No, I don't do any of that anymore. Mm. But I really had to make a conscious decision that I don't like feeling like that and then build in onto the mirror what are the words that help you feel like your pacing life, you, you know, we need to embrace the pace. We don't need to run flat out and end exhausted every night. How can I pace my day? Oh, well, we go to the toilet six times a day. I could take three breaths. That's 18 breaths a day. Oh, wow, that's indulgent. 18 breaths a day, right? So all of a sudden it was like, this is a great game. I'm going to play with myself. Three breaths, six times a day. Every time I wash my hands, smell the beautiful soap. Nobody knows I'm doing it. Nobody. None of no one in the family knows. You know, it's fantastic, but I'm coming out, I'm very confident and calm. <laughs> it's your secret. It's my secret. <clears throat> exactly. That we all now mums. know. <laughs> they're, they're good secrets for mums to have, aren't they? I'm going to finish with like a quick fire round where I'll ask you four or five quick questions. But is there anything before we get into that that you'd like to share as a, as a final thought? I think for people to really understand the happiness wheel, you know, about it isn't about anything external. Most of it is about internal, how we think, what we give ourselves permission to do, and, and really what our habits are. And if we've got habits that are not working for us, the way that you eat or the way that you go to bed or the way that you wake up or scroll in bed or all of the habits that you know do not work for you, you've got the option for the rest of your life to, to ask yourself that question every day of which one do I want to drop and what am I going to replace it with? Because 80% of our day is habits. So really when you just stop and think about what habit do you want to change and tweak, just small changes are far greater than making big sweeping changes that don't last. Just make very small changes as your body changes, as your kids' age change, and as your landscape of life changes. You're just constantly tweaking, and I'm still tweaking. It's fantastic. Mm, thank you for making it seem so simple. Okay, so we'll do the quick fire round. Tell us your favourite yeah. book. Oh, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Beautiful. And, oh, can I add another one? You can. For all the mums out there, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends Upon It by Kamal Ravikant. It is brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. What are you trying to unlearn? Ooh, 
I'm trying to unlearn. I think it would be my thoughts around how I'm not very good with technology. Like I really want to unlearn that that story because it really doesn't support me at all because it just means I palm everything off to my husband and the kids. I really need to to start learning about technology. Yeah. Best advice about happiness that you've ever been given? You've only got this moment right now. Mm. Just now. You know, we yesterday's gone, finished. Tomorrow hasn't even started. You've only got now. So really mastering mindfulness and presence is probably the greatest advice I've ever been given around feeling happy because I can be anywhere in the hospital with my mom and think we've still got running water, we've still got electricity and finding the gratitude and, you know, sitting here now talking to you, you know, it's happy. It's like what an opportunity and how awesome are you for even doing this and interviewing people because you don't know. Someone might be walking and listening to this and it might change their life and you have that ripple effect and you don't even know. So how beautiful are you and, and what a joy it is. So we, we really need to celebrate. Mm, I love that. Thank you. You've got such a beautiful look on the world. It's so refreshing. Mm. If you could wave a fairy wand, what would you change about the world? Oh, there need to be a lot more kindness. Yeah, kindness. I mean, really that poor barista, you know, just be kind and ask them how they are and the person at the supermarket, you know, like we're all in such a hurry, just maybe going, how, how are you? You know, just spread, if everyone could just spread a little bit more kindness, I think we can't change some of the big things in the world, but we can change what we do every day, the daily action. And the final one, tell us one practical tool that we can put into practice right now today that can help us achieve more happiness. Breathe. Please take a breath. <laughs> we're on this planet, Earth. You know, we've got the sun comes up every single day, goes down every night. We've got hot running water. We've got food. We've got fresh air. Wow. You know, let's be a bit grateful. Mm, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been a total joy to sit here with you. I could have kept chatting to you for hours. It's so beautiful. And you have this, as I said, refreshing outlook on life as much as you say, you tell us that you're an introvert and that you have a genetic kind of glass half empty. I I, I don't see that. It does not what you exude. So oh, that's thank good. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank Fantastic. you so much for sharing with us. Oh, and, it's my uh, pleasure. And you know, women are in and men. You know, we're all incredible humans. I think women give themselves a hard time compared to men, and I think we need to give ourselves permission to pause, to refuel and to know that we are enough and really just to savour the day that you have on the planet. And, you know, you might be five minutes late for the meeting or five minutes late for school pickup or maybe the dinner didn't work out. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just take a breath, you know. Just enjoy. Just here, be the here. girl with the balloons. Yeah. <laughs> be the girl with the balloons. I love yeah. it. Thank <laughs> you so much. My pleasure. Wow, isn't Shanna just amazing? Who's going to go put their feet up on the walls tonight? I know I am. <laughs> so here's the takeaways. 
Invest in your happiness with intentional living. 50% of happiness is genetic. You are either half full or half empty. And 10% of our happiness is external objects and pleasures, while 40% is your rhythm, your routines, and your rituals. So if you invest in that 40% with intentional living, focusing on what you love, you begin to have control over your happiness. Breathing three times, take your brain from stressed out to flight back to calmness with three deep breaths, deep in to the belly. And every time you go to the bathroom, every time you check your phone or you send an email or you're in the car or you're doing the dishes, do three breaths. Gamification of your mind. Create amazing habits throughout your day to create happiness. Finding opportunity to flip the script on the usual narrative, e.g., you know, unstacking the dishwasher or using your mind to find joy in that rather than seeing the negative. So doing the laundry, enjoy the peace in that moment, find the good in everything. Mum guilt is just a story we tell ourselves. So mum guilt is something that we've made up. Instead of choosing guilt, focus on how you show up for your kids. How do they see you? Are you healthy? Are you happy? Are you calm? Are you centered? Focus on how your kids see you as maybe a confident, calm, happy woman who knows how to look after her own health by going to the gym and eating well and taking time with her friends. Prompters. Use prompters around the house to remind your mind to think positively toward healthier affirmations and goals. It's almost like a map for your brain so it knows where to go. Lead it toward joy and more positive thinking instead of letting it go where it wants. Thank you so much for being here with me and for listening in and for sharing this journey towards happiness. If you've got a question, please send me a message. You can do that on the links in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. Who do you want to hear from? Is there a question or a problem that you want to ask? Let's talk about it. This is a discussion and a conversation after all. So I want to hear from you. And thank you again from the bottom of my heart just for being here and just for being you. You are loved and you are worthy. See you next week.